Good evening, everyone. You can make your way back to your seat. As Joe said, uh, my name is Brent Smith, and uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central, and uh, it's great. My voice is really booming, it seems, but no, it's fine. It's booming for me, but all right, well, welcome. And uh, just to say, as I got ready for, the, for this evening, I feel like I've, I'm just examining everything about my life and everything, because Mark's, Mark's email this morning said, come and Brent will preach a message suitable for the family. And then last night at Fuel, Chelsea Burke said to me, you're preaching with all the kids in, you're going to have to really keep it PG. And I'm just thinking now, what have my messages been like <laughs> up until this point? Have I been preaching some, like, you know, maybe we'll get huge turnouts from now on on Sunday morning as people think, oh, he's really going to bring it up into PG-13. We've got to go see those, hear those racy messages at Christ Central. I don't know. Anyway, so I've really just been evaluating everything. But here we are. All right, so... Oh, well, there we go. So here comes a very, a message suitable for the whole family. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I know that you're all here. Yeah, I know that you're all here tonight because you want to see a message that's 20 minutes. You, d you didn't know those existed. It's like the Ripley's Believe It or Not. That's why you're here tonight. But we're going to try our best. All right. What's that? Oh, there you go. Time's ticking. All right. I'm going to need your guys' help throughout my message, all right? So stay with me. So we're going to start off with this. Can anybody tell me a name that has an H in it? Hannah. Oh. <laughs> Matt. 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 Ready? Ready, Matt? Can anybody tell me a name that has two H's in it? Hey! Can anybody tell me a name that has three H's in it. Pardon? <laughs> Hananiah? Hananiah? <laughs> Hananiah. Anybody? It was kind of a quiz for the kids, but <laughs> Matt and Gary duking it out. Oh, there you go. Triple H. All right. Well, I've got a name for you that has three H's in it. It's hard to think of a name that has three H's in it, right? It's a little bit harder than just one. Q, that's two H's right there. That's probably the smallest name that can have two H's in it. Hugh. Hugh Harvey Hicks right there. The story I want us to look at this evening is about a guy with three H's in his name and it might be a guy that you've never heard of before. He doesn't show up very much in Bible story books uh, but his story is one of the most moving stories, I think, in the whole Bible. And I just love this story. It's the story of... Brrr, ready? Mephibosheth. Ah, here we go. Mephibosheth, what? Right? All week as I was working on this, I just pictured Angela going, Mephibosheth, what? Mephibosheth, okay? 
And so you can all say it with me. Ready? Three, two, one. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Awesome. It doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. And yes, there are three H's in there. And many of us might not have heard of Mephibosheth before, or maybe we haven't thought about him uh, in a very long time. His story is tucked away in the book of Second Sam Samuel, and that's what I want us to look at tonight. So the way that we study the Bible is first we read it, and then we try to understand it, and then we apply it to our lives. And so tonight for the story of Mephibosheth, first I will tell the story. What is the story all about? Then I'll explain the story, what does it mean, and then I'll apply it, what does it mean for us today. Okay, so you got those three points. I'll need you to help me stay on track, because I'm a bit forgetful. So we'll tell the story, and then what was it? We'll explain the story, and then we will apply the story. All right? So you got to help me stay on track tonight. So, what's the first thing? I've forgotten already. <laughs> Tell the story. All right. So for tonight, this could be a great idea. It could be the worst idea of my life. <laughs> but for tonight, rather than me just tell the story, why don't we tell the story to each other? Okay. So let's get some participation going on. All right. It's Saturday. It's nighttime. We're all loose. <laughs> we all know we're cracking into the storm chips when we get home long before the snow comes, right? And, uh, you know, there's nothing on the schedule tomorrow except snow removal all day long. And so why don't tonight we get some people up here and we get this story going, all right? Is that good? Let's just capitalize on this pre-storm excitement and present the story to each other. So I need some actors. All you need to... Mark's here. Thank you, Mark. Mark's ready? Yep. I'm just making my All you need to do, I will serve as narrator, and all you need to do is act it out. There are no speaking parts, but listen, listen, we need people to really put their heart into this, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So you don't need to talk. All you need to do is mime the story. So we can get a visual representation, all right? So forget Hollywood, right here in 487 Brunswick Street, we can capture the emotion and the power of this unforgettable story, okay? So, now some of you, this could be your big break <laughs> right here. This could be it. This could be what kickstarts everything, okay? So, here's who I need. So first, obviously, we need who? Mephibosheth. So do we have a Mephibosheth? <laughs> well, no, yes. Who? Hey, there we go, Mephibosheth. Come on up. Come on up. Woo! Do you want to take your jacket off or leave it on? You're going to leave it on? All right. Awesome. So Mephibosheth. Now we need the nurse. Claire is the nurse. All right. Awesome. We need Zeba. Zeba. Right back there. Is that, is that Harrison? Yeah. Harrison is Zeba. Okay. 
So I'm going to say this whole group right here, you are now, listen, come here, listen. You are now Zeba's servants. <laughs> All right, awesome. Very good. Yeah. All right, Andy Balzer, you're King David. Okay, and then I need Saul and Jonathan. I need a Saul and a Jonathan. Saul and Jonathan. Okay, Jonathan, and we need a Saul. We need someone to be this guy's dad. <laughs> yeah, Tim. All right. Okay, so for Act 1, I need Jonathan, Saul, the nurse, and Mephibosheth. So Zeba. King David, you're over there, okay? Are we ready? Yeah. Let's have you guys over here. Let's have Jonathan and Saul over here. All right, here we go. The story of Mephibosheth, Act 1. Are we ready? Saul and Jonathan, are you ready? Take this seriously, right? Put your, put your heart into it. A lot, a lot uh, is riding on this. So give it your all. Okay. Here we go. The story of Mephibosheth. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. A lot is riding on this. Here we go. Prepare yourself. <laughs> the story of Mephibosheth, Act 1. The news came that Saul and Jonathan died. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Jonathan had a five-year-old son named Mephibosheth. There we go. When the boy's nurse heard the news that Saul and Jonathan were dead, are you ready, Claire? She picked him up. <laughs> Pick him up. Pick him up. Okay. And ran. But as she hurried to get away, she dropped Mephibosheth. <laughs> Fall down. Fall down. Oh! And Mephibosheth sadly hurt both of his feet. Oh. End scene. Okay. Thank you, nurse. No, you guys are dead. You're dead. You are dead. You are dead. Nobody said you came back to life. You are dead. Thank you, nurse. You are done. Okay. Mephibosheth, now you go to a faraway place. So go hide somewhere. Go back there with your mummy. Okay? Awesome. You guys can go. I was just joking. No, you're dead. Stop it. No, go. Go. Okay. All right, so Mephibosheth has gone to a faraway place, and uh, so he's gone. Saul and Jonathan are dead. A few years passes. Mephibosheth is now a young man. Oh, we could really capture this by switching to an older Rosales. <laughs> no? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, so now new scene. We've got David. You go to David. Here you go, man. Okay. And uh, where is it? Oh, Mephibosheth. 
Mephibosheth, here's your, here's your crutch, okay? So can you use that like that? Okay, there you go. Awesome. Okay. Are we ready? Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. So I'm going to read 2 Samuel chapter 9. We've got the story so far? 2 Samuel chapter 9. Okay. Okay. And David said, is there anyone left? Maybe I should give you a voice. Should I give you a voice? Okay. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? <coughs> now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. Everyone call for Ziba. Ziba! Come on, Ziba. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I'm your servant. But all right? Oh, no, you don't have to say anything. I'll say it. You just have to act it out. So, like, get down on it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, <laughs> I don't think I could keep that voice up. <laughs> I have to. Ah! There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. <laughs> the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in, oh yeah, whoops. <laughs> he is in the house of Maccah, the son of Amiel, at Lodabah. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Emil at Lodabar. So you need to go. You're the only one who knows where Mephibosheth is. He's not that way. He's <laughs> over here. You're the only one who knew when you were going that way. <laughs> so you went and you got Mephibosheth and you bring him back to King David. There you go. Awesome. Here we go. Okay, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nice. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, oh. Be Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. <laughs> Did you act that out, or a little bit? You want to try it again? Put your heart into it, Andy. Okay, he nailed it. And, he <laughs> and Mephibosheth said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson, and you and your sons and your servant shall till the land for him. Till, till the land. Till the land, David. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Um, sorry. And shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But, Mef but Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons, car carrying on in Hick's tradition, and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, oh, oh yeah, the British accent, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons, and Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, Come on. Late edition. Late edition. Yes. This is your son. <laughs> and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's. Ready? Ready? Where's Ziba? Oh, yeah. You're Ziba. Come here. Come here. Come here. Remember all your servants? Okay. Listen to this. Ready, servants? Ready, Mephibosheth? Okay. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth <laughs> lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Here's the king's table. For he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. End scene. Hey, how did they do? Awesome. Well done. Take a bow, Mephibosheth. Take a bow. No? Okay. Well done, Ziba. Woo! Wow. Woo! Now, surely that was better than me just reading it. All right. We started a new tradition. <laughs> All right, so we've told the story, and then what comes next? Explain the story. All right, so David had been king for a decade or so, and uh, one day he is reminded of a promise that he made to Saul and to Jonathan that he would be merciful to their family when he became king. And he kind of wonders out loud at the first of the chapter. Is there anyone still left of Saul's family that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there a distant cousin? Is there a great aunt? Is there anyone still alive of Saul's family that I can show them kindness? Maybe some of you have made a promise and then some time passes and you suddenly realize, oh, I need to do that. Maybe you s told a coworker, you take them out for lunch and you think, oh, I promised them I'd do that, and now I need to do that. Or maybe you promised that you would clean your room, and then you look at the clock, and it's 8.30, not mentioning any names, Nathaniel. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, you made that promise. Oh, I need to do that, right? And so the same thing is happening here. David says, oh, I made that promise to be kind to Saul's family. Is there anyone even alive for me to do that to? And so this guy, Ziba, comes. Zeba, not zebra, and he says, yes, there's one guy, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, and he is crippled in his feet. Now this Mephibosheth, he's had a, he's had a pretty tough 
life so far. And so if you can picture it, he was a prince, perhaps a future king. And for the first five years of his life, he had it all. He was royalty, right? He was the grandson of the king. And then in one day, in one day, news comes that his father has died, that his grandfather has died as well. And then the nurse caring for him grabs him, picks him up, and runs away to protect him, and in doing so drops him, injures both of his feet, and now he's crippled for life. He either can't walk or he struggles severely to walk. And so in one day, he's lost his family, he's lost his position, he's lost his wealth, he's crippled. In one day, he kind of lost it all. You could even say that he lost his childhood. He's got to grow up quick now. And so we find out in chapter 9 that he's hiding away in a place called Lodabar, which sounds like a Star Wars planet, but is not. And it actually means no pasture land. Lodabar, no pasture land. So it's like a barren wasteland of a place. And he's there staying with a guy named Macker, who is most likely a Saul supporter and an enemy of David. And so it's a tragic story. This boy who was once prince is now a reject, now crippled, now poor, now living in a wasteland in an enemy camp. And so the king sends for Mephibosheth, not because there was anything in this boy that would in any way benefit the king. This young man had nothing to offer his king, he was called because of the kindness and the faithfulness of David's heart. And then look what he says in verse, in verse 6. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear. See, in those times, what usually took place when a new king took the throne is that he has all the family of the old king wiped out, right? So it's just easier that way. It's safer that way. You don't have to worry about some wacko cousin of the old king poisoning your tomato soup and trying to take you out, right? So they just had the whole family wiped out. And so keeping that in mind, imagine the terror that Mephibosheth felt when the knock came on the door in Lodabar. He's hiding away, and the knock comes on the door. The king wants you. What's Mephibosheth thinking? Time's up. I've been hiding away as long as I could, and now the king's come knocking, and it's it, that's it for me. For all Mephibosheth knew, this was it. I mean, picture it. He's going to see David. David is the hero of Israel, right? He's the lion killer. He's the giant slayer. He's the psalm writer. David is the man, right? He's like the rock and Ed Sheeran and Bear Grylls all rolled into one. And he's a king on top of that. And so you have this David on one side of the room and in comes Mephibosheth on the other side of the room. He's a poor, crippled, rejected young man standing before the king with nothing to offer him, trembling 
scared to death, expecting judgment. And as he falls on his face and submits himself before the king, he hears these words, do not fear. Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. I think Mephibosheth could barely catch his breath at that moment when he hears those words from David. And he's thinking, what does this mean? What does that mean, do not fear? I've got everything to fear. But before he can even begin to answer, listen to what David says in verse 7. He says, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. In that one sentence, David gives three promises to Mephibosheth that we need to take notice of. So picture yourself as Mephibosheth hearing these words. First, David promises his love. He says, I will show you kindness. And that word kindness encompasses so much that it's hard for us to even wrap our heads around. It's about steadfast love. It's about loving kindness. It's David saying to Mephibosheth, I'm going to wrap you in my love. I'm going to pour my love out on you. And David says he's going to do that for the sake of his father, Jonathan. David loved Jonathan deeply. He was his best friend. And so he tells Mephibosheth, I'm pouring out my love on you because of who you belong to. Not because of what you've done, Mephibosheth, but because of what someone else has done. And after David promises his love, Next, he promises riches. He says, I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And so in that culture, having lots of land meant having lots of money, right? To in our culture, we think of the person's rich who has lots of money. In that culture, the guy who had a lot of land, he was the rich one. And David says, I'm going to return to you all the land of your father, Saul. I'm going to, by my love, immediately move you from poverty to riches. There is nothing Mephibosheth can do to earn this. He can't work and buy the fields. He can't work the fields and make money. There's nothing he can do to take himself out of the position he's in and move himself to a different position. But David, the king, in his love says, I'll move you from there and I'll put you here. The last thing David promises is perhaps the most outstanding of all. He promises adoption. So when David says, eat at my table, always, it means you'll be a part of my family. You'll be my son. David is making Mephibosheth a part of his own family. And so at the weight of these promises, Mephibosheth, he can barely hold it together. And who can, who can blame him? He falls down at the king and he says, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? I'm nothing but a rejected, poor, crippled young man. I have nothing. I can give nothing. And I deserve nothing. And then beginning in verse 9, David shows that he's not just saying empty words. 
In verse 9, he begins acting on those promises. He immediately begins putting those plans in place to see those things happen. And then in verse 13, it's we kind of get our, our happily ever after to our story. And it says, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. What an incredible, incredible story. All right, what comes next? We've told the story. We've explained the story. What is it? Yeah! Now we've got to apply the story, all right? We've got a bit of a handle on this story, but what does it mean for us today, sitting in 487 Brunswick Street on a Saturday night because there's snow coming tomorrow, <laughs> right? So let's apply the story. What does it mean for us today? Well, whether we realize it or not, you and I are a lot like Mephibosheth. We're poor, we're lost, we're living in the enemy's household, and we're broken by sin. And yet God seeks us out. God, out of His kindness and faithfulness, calls us to Himself, and we come to Him broken, we come to Him poor, we come to Him filled with the fear of our guilt, we come not deserving of any mercy, not deserving of any blessing, and we throw ourselves at his feet. And what does he do? Just like David to Mephibosheth, first he promises his love. He says, not because of anything you've done or because of anything you can do for me, but because of what my son Jesus has already done, I will shower my love on you. I will show you kindness for the sake of my son, Jesus. What else does he do? Like David, he makes us rich, not with money and land, but he makes us spiritually and eternally rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became